0: It's really difficult to find great executives. Spirit Consulting helps organizations find all-star executives and hire the right one using work psychology so you can serve more customers and grow your business. To get a free quote, go to spiritmco.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Virtuous Heroes podcast where we inspire virtuous leadership. Uh, And, you know, typically that's done by being able to bring on very uh, righteous and virtuous leaders who uh, sometimes have put Jesus Christ at the center of their lives and and other times just, you know, righteous men that, uh, you know, want to just be virtuous for the sake of wanting to do the right thing for people. Today, uh, we have President Johnson, who is uh, a follower of Jesus Christ. And a holy man of God, so I'm very excited to be able to have you on the podcast today and connect about all the ways that yeah, you're bringing the kingdom of heaven here on earth. So, without further ado, <laughs> President Johnson, and you know, our first question always is, uh, "Who are you?"
1: Wow, wow. Well, um, I'm certainly none of the things you've described. Uh, I <laughs> am what I am by the grace of God, and any righteousness that's ascribed to me is only owing only to the Lord Jesus Christ, and if there be any virtue, any praise, it's uh, all because of him, but uh, I am a, uh, I'm Brian Johnson, who, uh, as you have described, am a believer and a a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and have uh, been so since uh, the fall of my senior year uh, at a university in 1994, and Mm -hmm. as you've described, I've done so uh, throughout my life uh, since that period, and have tried uh, my very best to. Weave that into every single pursuit, uh, whether it's personal or family or career or anything. And I've done that with very uh, varying degrees of success, but all together as uh, the word talks about, and it all works together for good. So I am who I am and uh, what, what the Lord says about me and uh, anything else is owing to, to me and not of him. Well, I love the humility because
0: you are a Ph.D. and author over seven academic and scholarly books, the president of a university and a husband and father. Let's go. Yeah. And I was just, you know, you're like, that's so unfair. <laughs> to, uh, I uh, unfortunately had to go like a decade post like uh, in my own lifeline and, and timeline of my life. Mm-hmm. after college to you know, to be able to, you know, meet the Lord Jesus Christ and, and be able to be baptized in the fire of his Holy Spirit. Um, you uh, got to have that done right at, at college. So I,
1: I look at that and I'm just like, man, like, come on, Jesus. Well, you got to think about it. Ed, that's 20 years old. So it's still with a lifetime. I mean, that's still 20 years when my mother uh, uh, tried to drag me to church uh, at, at 10 years old and, and 13 years old, and I I've, I've fought like the Dickens, whether it's hiding my shoes under the bed to not go. Uh, so although it may seem like a young period of time, it's obviously uh, uh, still a very long time anytime you're separated from your creator, and um, that's uh, ultimately what I believe, and uh, I think it's uh, really... Uh, Uh, really disappointing that uh, individuals have not uh, made that, frankly, their central pursuit uh, to understand why they're here and what purpose uh, they're here to serve.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So I'd like to, yeah, because obviously, and it's, it's, I think it's easier for us to be able to say that when you've spent, you know, as you mentioned uh, can be, you know, north of of a decade uh, in outside of the kingdom and yeah. then when you have your eyes open, to be like, oh, man, such a yeah. blessing to be yeah. able to yeah. be, you know, counted as one of uh, God's chosen ones. So like yeah. just just surrender and give your life yeah. over. But, you know, sometimes people can't see that for what it is. Sure. Can you yes. to, to help us kind of better understand your own your own journey, if you will, uh, President Johnson, can you speak a little bit about how you got to the leadership position that you're in today?
1: Wow, you know, you know, you never ask uh, university presidents to share their whole story because it'll take the entirety of the hour. Uh, but uh, just, in, uh, you know, in a nutshell, um, uh, I, I, you know, I, I like to talk about the whole of it. It's, uh, you know, uh, I, I like to, to view uh, my journey uh, right where it began in Inner City Durham, North Carolina, uh, growing up um, uh, in the, the, right across the street from a, a really violent area, very violent environment called Few Gardens, a lot of loving people. But the conditions and circumstances certainly was a place where uh, many of my early ethics and early formation of who I was was grounded in that space. And so much so that um, I think most of my career pursuits since then aiming to be a president was almost in opposition to that. I I wanted to do something different. I didn't wanna be a gangster. I didn't wanna be in prison. I didn't wanna do some of the things that unfortunately many of my friends and peers had to uh, uh, do uh, just by the grace of God. Um, uh, Fortunately, I was uh, gifted uh, at a very young age, uh, always in gifted and talented classes, although I didn't necessarily apply myself until I uh, reached to college. And when I reached college, that's when sort of my freshman year and epiphany occurred that, hey, I'm either gonna make it in a way that I have not yet seen manifested in my family or I'm going to see and, and inhabit or occupy some roles that I have seen. And so I made that decision then to use uh, many of the gifts that the Lord has given me of writing and speaking and thinking and said, you know, I want to be a teacher, a middle school teacher. And, and when I got to college, I met my honors college director. He said, well, you should be a professor. And in graduate school, as you do the work of master's degrees and PhDs, You learn that, wait a minute, you can actually write books and essays. And so you can be a scholar. And even during that period and then subsequent jobs, Um, I became then an administrator, an administrator who's sort of not faculty, but also doing some of the, there's an administrative component to universities. Most people only think of the faculty and the student relationship, but there are a lot of business decisions, human resource decisions, data decisions. And so all of that uh, middle school teacher, professor, scholar, administrator, really all culminated into this one particular calling that uh, I believe was placed on my heart um, uh, really very early in graduate school that, wait a minute, you know, you kind of are doing a lot of the things, although in a very infant uh, stage, uh, that, that, that what presidents do, we write, we speak, we teach, we speak in chapel. We have to write essays. We've written books. Many of who come through the faculty ranks have been academics before. And um, so I arrived here partly not just owing to what I've identified in myself, but through mentors who put me through programs, whether it's uh, Christian higher education leadership service programs or Uh, more secularized programs such as the American Council of Education or uh, the Ask You uh, Millennium Leadership Initiative, where you would uh, have mentors to sort of guide you and Um, Very much so, not so much of an anomaly as it was uh, uh, at the time that I did it, but I was a a 40-year-old president after having served as a professor for many years and as a scholar and an administrator. You mentioned the seven books, but um, all of that sort of occurred between a span of 2003 when I got my PhD and 2014 when I became the president of Tuskegee University, which was founded by Booker T. Washington. I was named the seventh president. And at forty um, at, at years old, and uh, so I, I served there for three years. I learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about that institution, and learned a lot about myself as a person. Uh, I took a year off after a, a three-year uh, tenure there, and then I went to serve in in Mercy College and. Uh, I was there as a vice president, really enjoying my job right there in uh, 34th Street, right across the street from Macy's. Uh, I opened and launched a new campus. And really I was approached uh, by some good friends and uh, a search firm that said, hey, you should consider this Christ-centered, minority serving, Hispanic serving, metropolitan serving, cosmopolitan in its views, institution that's out in Portland. And from the moment I began in that process, I saw that in many ways the whole of my life from being an inner city uh, resident to being a teacher, scholar, professor, administrator, and even a past president, all of those experiences uh, were able to be brought to bear on being the eighth president here at Warner Pacific, which began in the in August of 2020.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's That's an incredible journey and one that's, uh, quite inspiring as well, knowing mm-hmm. the roots that you grew up in and, and the way and trajectory, uh, that to which your life could have went. So sure. absolutely uh, thank you, Jesus for that. Um, before mm-hmm. we, before you kind of gave us the overview of your growth in your own life, we started to talk a little bit. Yeah. I just, I, I guess what's kind of on my heart and just thinking about, uh, like, like specifically like having a relationship with our creator and being able to know like why you are created. Yeah. So tell like, how does, how is that applied in your own life? And why do you feel like a calling or vocation is important? And how did you well, find it? And how does one go about finding it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I talk about this a lot. I mean, first, uh, first of all, much of my understanding of calling and uh, beyond the Bible uh, and the Various individuals who were, as it were, not only called by Jesus, but even in the Old Testament, and their uh, in their biographies of how they began to serve their purpose, as it were, in the earth. Um, besides that, Os Guinness he wrote a magnificent uh, treatise called "The Call," and and I'm so informed by not only his work but the work of C.S. Lewis and Charles Spurgeon and all those individuals. But for me. Um, you know, so I, as I mentioned before, I, I've always sort of had a, a very strong inclination to ideas and reading and thinking. And for me, um, St. Augustine, he, he talks about how knowledge comes to an end. You know, I, you know I, different times, I'm, I wanna be pro-Black. When I learned to be a Christian, I'm like very zealous for Christian things or very zealous about whatever truthful ideas I encountered. Uh, but one of the things about calling, uh, that I had to sort of learn is that it's very, you can easily create your own, your own idol out of picking the good parts of your life or the things you're interested in, um, and shaping it to be the thing that, uh, you would like to project onto the world or what you want others to follow. But for me, it came into, uh, coming to know myself as I was recreated through uh, my Lord and Savior, uh, coming to understand who am I, the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, the virtuous and the vices. And in doing that, uh, you find a a kind of intimacy in affirming this is the way you should go. Um, This is not the way you should go. Um, And in many ways, for me, I had desires and ambitions that certainly in and of myself would not lead me to the current path I'm on. I think anybody for my field, similar to individuals who are in athletics, you always want to be at the pinnacle so, uh, of, of what the world calls the pinnacle. So if you're a football player, you want to be in the NFL. If you're a basketball player, you want to be in the NBA. If you're a journalist, you want to work at New York Times. That's what the world says. And if you are a scholar and a teacher professor, you want to be at Harvard. You want to be (laughs) the president of Harvard, an institution where you don't have to uh, literally do anything uh, uh, except for steward over a billion dollar endowment and keep that going. Um, But for me, when I learned that part of calling is about the cross, it's all about the cost also of sacrificing at the feet of the Lord and Savior what you would like to do versus what he has called you to do. And you find that calling in uh, the the things that are rooted and grounded in truth. Uh, Who are you? You know, what's your pedigree? Uh, What is your status? God knows exactly where you were born. Uh, Can you speak five languages or two? Um, Can you think to be able to do these things? Can you, what are the things he has given you? And are you willing to give them, as it were, in return to him? And so uh, as I began, that sense of progressiveness is all about, um, I like to refer to Romans 12, one and two, about testing and proving the good, pleasing, perfect will. So, you know, you you feel like you can sing, well, you test it and prove it. And somebody someday ought to be able to say, hey, yeah, you can sing also. So, you know, you do a little bit of that and, you know, writing and speaking and leadership and, the different skill sets that you believe intimately the Lord has showed you and revealed to you that, hey, you have these gifts and you go out and begin to prove them. And it begins to lead your life down some very definitive steps. And during those steps, you begin to lo- learn God more. Sometimes you get very zealous and excited, like, oh, this is what God wants you to do. Um, you know, yeah. hey, I, I want to be a, a, a president of a Christian college. And, I, and that was something. I had always wanted to do even before I went to Tuskegee University. But then uh, there was a detour and God says, no, you go here first. And I'm like, how can that be that you, you know, I I gotta go here and I wanna be over here. And uh, so it's all about relationship. And I I wouldn't be very much, uh, I wouldn't be very presumptuous about describing that. I can only really describe for myself that it's it's progressive, it's learning. You know, you see some things in the Bible, and then you experience some things in the Bible. you read and interpret some things, but then you have a life experience that helps put that in perspective. But as I said before, um, I, I have found uh, 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 an end to many things, but the principles of the Bible um, have really I found to be. Just flawless. I'm not talking about uh, interpretations of the Bible or uh, socio-political differences and different opinions about the Bible, but in terms of its timeless truths and um, and how they have applied to men of old and men of now and men f- forever. And so um, that's about the best way I can describe that sense of calling. But of course, I'm very open to you uh, you asking uh, even more specific questions about that. It's just something that's so close uh to my heart and I, I just don't know how you you really share all of that mm.
0: yeah and i think the the there's two things that come to mind the first is that like thinking about the life of joseph in mm. that you know he has this grandiose vision of what his life is supposed to look like and then instantly he's you know sent into the prison <laughs> and uh uh so it's like it's funny how um God can work in that way and but I think you know throughout throughout Joseph's life he had to go through these many different sufferings and and but all throughout that it was it was lessons that he had to learn in order to be able to be ready for the palace and so it sounds like a lot similar to your own life where you know, you've like, you felt like, you know, you've had this desire, burning desire in you for a while where you wanted to be a university president and then God has kind of like taking you down different pathways where where uh, it sounded like you had to learn serious lessons to be able to continue to keep growing on your pathway as well. And I think that's, you know, ultimately kind of like a, a rock solid kind of one of those truths that you spoke about as it relates to the kingdom and being with God in, in that, that, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to to grow impatient as we're like, you know, you have that vision of where you want to go, but oftentimes you feel like your feet are kind of stuck in the mud and you want right. <laughs> keep to taking, keep taking that next step. Um, sure. And then the other thing that you said, President Johnson, that really resonated with me, and I was hoping that you can maybe kind of further explain that a little bit, was you said that sometimes <clears throat> we can get overzealous. And that, and in that, we can almost make idols out of those pursuits. So can you speak a little bit or maybe just help me kind of better understand maybe how that applied in your own life and, or, you know, how that could apply to other people that are listening to this podcast of like, huh, have I created any idols out of what I've wanted to do with my life?
1: Well, you know, you, you mentioned Joseph, you know, uh, he had, a grandiose vision, but was it his vision, or was it God, or was it an admixture? You know, dreams are also part of what our knowledge is, and our hopes, and our desires, and ambitions, but we also know that the Lord God, creator of all earth, uh, is the father of all spirits, and he does, in fact, speak to people, and And I know that you and I have talked about experiences. I've had uh, several experiences with dreams that, uh, frankly, would be frightening to people who are not believers. But for believers, we know very well those things to be true. Uh, But one of those things that I would share is uh, Charles Spurgeon says that, you know, our very best works are so stained with sin that it's hard to determine, you know, what's good and what's bad, right? Like, so one can sit in a room all day and say, oh, I'm holy, I'm God, I'm I'm this, I'm that. But, you know, God doesn't tell us every step of the day, you know, get up, walk out the door, go out, turn right, turn left. You know, life is really not like that. So you know we all are fallen creatures. We live in a fallen world. We we endeavor to do things. We're not God. We're not Jesus. We don't. You may you make assumptions as you go out the door. You smile at someone. Someone takes that offensive, or you you don't smile and you don't speak. They're offended by you know you you just there's a, a kind of brokenness um, to all of us in that regard. But I will say that. Uh, um, it, it, I think it's all a part of uh, just a kind of maturity, you know. Even you know, we talk about zealousness this, when you see the word being perfect, you know. You, you know, even in the very moment of reading that particular scripture, depending on who's receiving that, in their own mind of what is perfection. And for me, you know, having to grow into that, you know, you can have a a sense of zealous perfection that you are going to be perfect, but then you come to understand it through experience or even more deeply uh, uh, being a a more uh, deeply uh, studious approach to the word of God, understand that perfection is a kind of maturity uh, that you sort of arrive at through a lot of different experiences. Uh, So I think, um, you know, the best growth in God is also, is, is the the focus and study on yourself, you know, understanding your own tendencies, knowing when, you know, you know, was that spirit led, or is that uh, 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 sort of a carnally led, or, you know, my own mind, and that's a, and I will tell you, um, I believe we all will always have that struggle, but I do believe it gets better over time, I think, um, in my um, uh, more youthful years in Christ, uh, I spent a lot of time doing the things that I think he wanted to do. And it didn't feel right, but you didn't know what else to do. And then you have, as I say, more experiences. You're like, oh, I don't have to do those things. I can just do what this thing that he's called me to do. And even when you're doing it, you feel like you could feel like, okay, I got it now. And then you learn, no, you're never going to get it all here. You know, we talk about these notions of Joseph arriving at a palace here on earth. But even in that situation, he still didn't eat with the Egyptians, nor when his brothers came, he still sent them apart from him. And so, you know, who, who was Joseph's community? How did he arrive at the palace? In other words, he was still managing, hey, these are people who put me in prison. And although I forgive them and love them. You know, I'm going to send them over to to to, to this other land to be shepherds uh, for the Egyptians. And even still, although I'm a manager in Egypt, I'm still conscious that they see me as a Hebrew. Um, there is no heaven on earth. And I think all of these things are designed to keep us utterly dependent upon God. And, you know, no matter what heights you achieve, there's always something humbling about being uh, men and women of the earth, uh, no matter where you are, uh, you know, I'm at a, I'm a president of a university, but I'm a president of a small university, (laughs) you know, you, you can say, you can say you're a president of Harvard, but you might be president of an institution that really is not consistent with what your belief is. So there's always something, always a kind of thorn that's ready and able, and I, and I'm very grateful and thankful for it, that's there to remind you, uh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there is nothing here in this earth um, that, that, that demonstrates that you have arrived and that you have perfection. And I think that's the dependence that one has upon the Lord, and, um, which, which allows us to uh, access the grace of the Father. And sometimes I I go on these digressions because, you know, talking and discussing, and even as we shared before, you know, spiritual things are, you know, they're kind of different. You know, they're, you know, they're rooted and grounded in the, the, the word of God. They're rooted and grounded in experiences, but the best of which are, you know, testimonies, right? Like testimonies to share what are those experiences. And a testimony is not, Uh, offered as, you know, it's your truth, it's your fact and your experience, but really it ultimately rests upon the hearers um, as to whether they believe or not. And I think that ultimately that's what our lives should be, you know, as the culmination of a life, the end of the life, wherever we end, you know, you can end as a president, you can end as a pauper, you can end what is the whole of it? You know, there's a thief on a cross who served a purpose. There's King David who <laughs> at, at, at 70 years old laid in bed and and and, and passed away. They both serve purposes with very different ends. And we all the same. There are some people who are celebrated and on the internet all the time. But then there are so many more great people that you never even hear about, never mentioned once in news articles. And yet uh, they will have uh, far more rewards. And uh, they probably would have wished to have those awards, but they also know where their true reward lies. And some of the people who receive those awards ultimately may know deep down inside that mm, those rewards don't mean as much Um, At the end of their lives. So I think it's uh, calling is so deeply personal. And, you know, one of the things I I like to talk about is uh, never making a presumption about the state of someone's heart, right? Like the state of someone's uh, uh, belief uh or you know even of one's profession i believe that's ultimately the ultimate arbitrator of that is going to be the one who has the most discerning and piercing eyes uh the lord jesus christ whom you will meet uh one way or another uh and our response to him will be a response that i think reflects what our response was uh, throughout our life in the midst of successes or sorrows and sins and faults and successes. Um, he alone is the, uh, the, the arbiter of what the state of that person's heart was, and um, I just think that um, and the, the pursuit of purpose and calling for one's life ought to be. In fact, you should be so preoccupied with it that you don't have time to, uh, to blog and think about the lives of other media personalities because everything you're projecting onto them um, is happening in your own life. And so um, you know, in the age of social media and Twitter, the, which the Bible tells us the advancement of knowledge, the proliferation of everything that we're seeing now has always been here. It's just moving a lot faster. And I think that's uh, really consistent with what the Bible speaks to. Um, it's all the same. It's just a lot more of it as knowledge increase. And uh, I think it's really a high time for everyone to really do that sort of deep internal work of uh, first identifying um, whether you believe in eternity and then secondly what what do you believe is the that path and whatever choice you make that's on you Uh, but um, I do believe that we all will will have to answer for it and uh, and and that ought to be um, a preoccupation especially as we all get older.
0: Have you been feeling unfulfilled? You wanna be happy, but just continue to struggle. One of the best ways to experience joy is by caring for the homeless. A charity I've grown to love, River of food rescues a million meals per year for the needy in Chicago. Imagine how that make you feel, knowing that you're helping feed children and veterans. To make a tax-deductible donation, visit riveralightchicago.org. Again, riveralightchicago.org no one should go to bed hungry. Yeah. And if there's a calling, then there's a caller. Yes. And Jesus taught us that blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Yes. Well, I, I would say that it's, it's really next to impossible to have a calling unless, unless you have that relationship, as you said, and be able to be called by a caller, which would be God, our father. And, mm-hmm. um, and I found in my own life, you know, as we were talking about the prophetic and being able to hear God and be directed by God, <clears throat> the more that I've been able to um, uh, be healed and grow in holiness and, and be whole, uh, the more that I've been able to see and hear God in that way. That's only increased the prophetic in my own life. and uh, so so yeah, I mean, as you were just talking about calling, like, you know I think... I think that's really important to kind of and this is my own perspective, but I think being able to grow, like being able to get healed and grow in your wholeness about who you were made to be and shed away those things that you may have adopted um, outside of being in relationship with Jesus Christ is -hmm. incredibly important for being able to see more clearly and to be able to know exactly what it is that God is calling you to do on a day to day. basis. Absolutely. Um, And so I guess I transitioned that into thinking about, can you talk a little bit about your own journey of of healing? And what were some of the things that you had to overcome in order to, you know, get to this state of uh, leadership that you are today?
1: Yeah, you know, um, I have two sons and um, in sort of Joseph-like fashion, and Moses-like fashion. You know, I, I named my two sons as part of, uh, as at least their middle names. My first son' name is Brian Asa, and Asa means, among many things, healing. And my second son is named Nathan Morgan Kadesh, and Kadesh means set apart, holy. Um, and so, as I think of both of their names, I think the uh, journey for me. In my life in Christ, has been one of from healing to uh, holiness, and 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 holiness is a a place where you're constantly trying to arrive at. Uh, one of the things about someone who has uh, whether it's prophetic gifts or reading gifts. You can read and understand all kinds of truth, which in many ways brings you a lot of grief, because you realize how much truth you're not walking in. But to the best of our ability, we ought to live out what truth we know. But, you know, I think there's only one person who was able to do that very perfectly. But for me, healing um, growing up in an inner city environment um, in uh, 1995, I wrote an article. Uh, and back in 1995, mental health uh, was really not a topic that we now know is so prevalent. And in this article uh, about coming out of the inner city and talking about my experiences and my friends who were in jail or dead or had not necessarily gone to college and achieved in the way that the world calls success, um, I used to have really a, a form of PTSD, you know, this sort of traumatic. Replaying of this person's dead, this person's dead, and you—you know—you're around colleagues, and they talk about friends and things in ways that their stories won't match your stories. My stories were different stories, but just as valuable to me. But they don't fit, and I wondered if that played a role in sort of that reverberation. And up until, frankly, about 30 years old, uh, you know, I—it's just constant you know being in an inner city environment um part of that healing was you know anger at god like god you know if i didn't grow up that way i could be you know if i grew up in a wealthy home and you know all the gifts i have now just imagine you know what i could have been and and or if wow if i wasn't exposed to certain things in those environments. I, I wouldn't even spend as much time doing those things. I wouldn't even have the experiences of those things. And, and that's when you, you realize that a, a part of your healing is, first of all, accepting uh, that, you know, you know, no one wants to minimize any of the trauma of, you know, being bullied, uh, you know, uh, being uh, afraid to go out, Side in those environments, uh, being upset at your father for leaving your mother so that y'all had to even move into such a negative or uh, painful environment. A lot of those are internal emotions that no one can solve for you and, and your response to it. So, if part of healing is, well, I'm going to fight in my own strength and power like Moses to, to, to make sure that never happens to any other inner city kid in the world. And okay. Who are you? You're, you're not God, you're not Jesus. You're not gonna stop. The poor are gonna always be here with you for a variety of reasons. If God permits it, uh, I, I dare say, you're gonna have to permit it as well. Um, but coming to a place where you can be whole so that and healed so that you can move forward. And, and I think the biggest piece of healing is accepting it and um, not excusing it or or, or not, you um, uh, putting yourself willfully in the same situations again, but understanding that we all, uh, we all live in a bad neighborhood, Tony Nolan writes, it's called earth, like, uh, regardless of where you, like, you live in a bad neighborhood, something about that experience uh, is going to be, cause you eternal." sort. you know, I, I look at my sons, and the way they've grown up, they've, lived in a a president's house and, and a mansion and they've had none of the food insecurities I had growing up and none of the bullying challenges or none of the financial challenges that I experienced and yet they still seem to have you know challenges in their life and I'm like wait a minute you know if I'd have grown up the way you've grown up so for me healing in that space has taken place with that acceptance but really more of understanding the role of the savior he's known by many names he's a redeemer he's a healer he's a conqueror he's all these things and by knowing him more intimately um through the work of the holy spirit through the work of prayer through the work of meditation in the word of god um all those things bring a kind of peace and when you begin to walk more consistently with him into the peace that i believe he has ordained for all who would come to him um, you begin to shed those things and right? You begin to uh, walk on a path um, uh, where there is no lion in many ways, where you are able to experience as much as is earthly possible
0: um,
1: what what Gracie has for you. And many of us uh, attain that in various degrees. And Uh, but uh, ultimately for me healing um, came over time and sometimes it happens and you just walk out one day in the same situation you're no longer bothered by it even uh, being at Tuskegee University was a very traumatic experience you know you come in you're thinking you're doing the right thing and You know, all of a sudden for me, it was, whoa, I'm experiencing things that I experienced growing up, you know, social media, viral attacks and people ascribing things to your character and talk and saying, I'm like, wait a minute. Or, you know, people blaming you for things, you you know, just the kind of viciousness uh, in many ways. Which maybe even I participated in by the uh, the defensiveness. Well, no, I'm I'm doing right, and, you know. No, this is me, and and you realize that um, all of those things are designed to help you to grow as a person, um, and especially if you're you you're trying to live organically and authentically. Because the other thing about healing is being honest, right? So some people, you know, may not. Be honest. So, like, I will never do the things that God is calling me to do because I don't want, you know, persecution or I don't, Mm -hmm. I want to be accepted. I want to be nice. (laughs) I I want a job. It's so, you know, for me, uh, the fortunate thing about growing up poor is, you know, everything I've had since growing up is the greatest thing I've ever had in life. And so I've kind of been free from the trappings of believing that you know, money and of course financial security is important for your family and things, but it's not more important than my own uh, security and who the Lord is. So uh, I think healing is a part of accepting who you are and accepting the charge, right? That's on your life, not merely uh, doing what's best for you, but the charge on your life is really, really consistent with also who and what you have been designed to do for others, and to the extent that you are not doing that for others, I don't think you 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 achieve that healing. And um, it's like uh, garments that fall off of you walking out of doors. You look up one day, and you know it, it no longer bothers you. <laughs> you know I I can't tell you how that happens, but I can say you know. Um, healed from inner city Durham and healed from, uh, you know, the experience of my first presidency. You know, those were uh, really traumatic things, healed from uh, a, a sense of fatherly abandonment, uh, healed just all kinds of healings um, that I can't say how you did it, but I, I can tell you I didn't do it without uh, knowing the Lord. Well. Hmm. Wow.
0: Yeah, that's, that's incredible. (laughs) That's, and because, and I think about, as I'm comparing, I I know I shouldn't be comparing myself against you, but I was just like analyzing the two of our lives and thinking about like, my story more resonates with your sons, because I grew up in a pretty affluent neighborhood in the uh, southwest suburbs of Chicago. And uh, so we didn't have a lot of the struggles that you had to deal with. But nonetheless, you know, I was, found myself uh, in my early thirties as as an adult child and an alcoholic. And, and so, you know, some of the struggles with that, but I, I I think, and, and basically like feeling like entitlement and, and, you know, uh, some, of you know, which obviously is not the exact same thing of like, Uh, I mean, obviously, there was an incredible amount of suffering within your life that you had to go through. But I think about like, yeah, I mean, you know, as we're talking about Jesus, some of his titles as, you know, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider, um, just, you know, that that his radical transformation that he can do in people's lives. uh, But then I think about, you know, maybe, President Johnson, there might be people that are sitting on this podcast, listening to this podcast today and thinking about like, you know, there might have there while listening, they might have a couple things that are coming to their hearts of like, huh, I continue to keep tripping over my feet as it relates to maybe conflict management,
1: Mm.
0: maybe, maybe anger, Mm. Um, uh, maybe unforgiveness, Can you speak about, you know, and so looking at someone who specifically had a father who abandoned them growing up in the inner city, as you're mentioning, being bullied, et cetera, not like a very healthy environment. Can you talk about maybe like, as it relates to like tangible healing, like tangible steps that you took in your life to be able to overcome
1: some of that? Yeah. uh, Wow. You know, I, well, you know, I'm a big believer in the, um, You know, as you know, many believers, uh, we don't pay a lot of attention to the role of the mind in our lives. I believe that we are three part being. We're spirit. We're born, recreated and born again and afresh and anew. And when we lay this body down and our mind down with all of its intellect, emotions and wills, you know, our spirit will be with the one whom you entrusted it with. I have no problems with my spirit, man, in that regard, and I believe that the inward dwelling of the Holy Spirit helps with that. But one of the big challenges that we all have is this thing right here that sits between us: our emotions, our intellect, and our will. And it, because it processes things for you every day, you know, you 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 look at a situation. And most of what we deal with in human behavior and in life or experiences, how do you receive that? So, you know, some people, you know, look at a dad who wasn't there and they say, oh, I'm going to be like that. Yes, we know who we are in God. We know what God wants us to be. He know he wants us to be providers, but you know, the next real hard step is I know that truth of God and and who he is a spirit. God is a spirit. And those that worship His spirit and truth, he's a spirit. We've seen them in the manifestation of Jesus Christ during his 33 year ministry. But how do I take that and now actualize it in the 21st century, the 20th century? And a lot of that is through the lens of your mind. And so I had to say. Either I'm going to be like that or I have to be like that or no, I'm going to be different. But you talk about idols, I also equally can't say because I wasn't as bad as my dad, as bad, that somehow I've achieved the idol of fatherhood hmm. because I didn't do those things. Because, you know, I, I travel more, I'm busier. I, I, you know, I, you know, so not having, for instance, me with them every single day may be a, a challenge that they're enduring and to understand that I may not be what he was, but I'm still not who God is to me. And in that sense of that, having the humility to say, hey, I'm doing the best with what I have. And I think that is, you know, you ask the question about healing, you ask the question about calling, but a lot of our frustration I think is with you know, looking at others as opposed to looking at ourselves and what he has permitted us to be. There are people who have made mistakes uh, by, you know, abandoning their kids. And they they, they think, well, you know, I, I can't redo the, the years I've spent away from them. Or, well, what do you have in your hand now? Are you still alive? Are you, can you pick up the phone? They may reject you, but hey, try it, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and you know, and so tangibly, and, and again, I it's a constant theme I'm coming back to. Tangibly, you know, and I, I cite Saint Augustine again because he he has a powerful sense of, you know, men go throughout the world to explore the, the the grandeurs of the heavens and the stars, the mountains, the oceans, but we never ever spend the most basic time exploring. The grandeurs and the complexities of our own soul, our own uh, pro, uh, hearts, our own proclivities, every judgment we we project unto others, you know, immediately could be reflected upon our own life. So why don't we spend the kind of you know intimacy with ourselves wrestling with that, whether um, that's in uh, conversation with people that one can trust or uh, with a community or with communing with God. Um, Where is that time and space in a time where so much has proliferated in the sense of images of what you should be? Uh, Idols in Christendom, idols in, you know, secularism, idols on Republicans and idols in leftists. The question is, you know, who are you? Uh, and, and instead of uh, waking up beyond the first thirty minutes and having to deal with every projection being shown to you, what are you understanding about who you are? And um, yeah, I, I think uh, tangibly, I, I will say one of my gifts and blessings that I'm kind of fortunate about is I you know I, I'm naturally an introvert presidents have to be extroverted i have to talk i'm doing an introvert interview but it's not the space that i dwell mostly i mostly dwell you know in in a in a in a, in a book in the bible on my own listening to music uh, whether it's worship music jazz music um, i tend to be a more inner person um, where I explore those things and that comes with certain trappings too because then, you know you you don't interact as much with others or you don't uh, really go out and, and you know you tend to like you know I, I'm comfortable with who I am so you tend to don't want to grow in certain things uh, but for me it's a very valuable uh, habit and a, a very valuable character trait in this world where we're all, most of us don't know who we are. We don't know, who, who, you know, who we're called to be. We don't know how to manage pain. Uh, we don't know how to become healed. We don't know uh, tangibly how to do things. We go to seven-step seminars. You got guys out there running around uh, with uh, workshops telling you how to do all these things, and and the simplicity of what I'm saying is, you know, there's a Bible. For those who, again, it's not something I would proselytize to you, but I'm just telling you for me, you want to help. You want to know how I've come to whatever understanding may be perceived as virtuous, <laughs> the Bible, prayer, uh, intimacy uh, with God through the Lord Jesus Christ for me. And, and And as a starting point and the testing and proving that out in community where it works, and where it doesn't work, but knowing that those pieces of uh, his spirit within me, his word, his, his life in me, uh, Christ in me is my only hope of glory, is really the, the very beginning and end of who I am. And, and, and whatever womb I, I, I encounter in, in whatever doctrine or whatever entity or philosophy I encounter, I'm still getting up and going to bed with that every day. And uh, I just think um, you you have to commit yourself to that work and not even commit yourself to figuring that out from a podcast in some ways.
0: Mm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. And, uh, you know, in the scriptures, as you talk about the Bible, St. Paul, you know, exhorts Timothy to leverage the gifts that he had been imparted into And so we have this unique thing within within Christendom of being able to impart gifts to others, uh, which is which for those that don't know the word impartation you know, people that regularly follow the podcast know that I usually ask for this in prayer, but basically, you know, it's like airdropping within the Apple system of being able to give, you know, an image or whatever that may, you know, directly like that. It's like from one person's spirit to another. So uh, just curious if you could close this out in prayer, but specifically as praying, you know, it sounds like, you know, one of the vice that you had to overcome was being able to accept who you are and, and your journey. And then yeah. the virtues that just seem like were screaming through through you, President yeah. Johnson were that of gratitude, but also the wisdom to be yeah. able to like know who you are and being able to have that interior life to be able to go to that place and go to God and and like really start to ask the question of like, you know, Lord, help me or what's wrong with me, you know? Yeah. So, so yes, yeah. uh, yeah. so uh, yeah. If you can close us out in prayer,
1: that'd be great. Yeah. Okay. Well, for those who have uh, then- had believe in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and for those who do not. Um, um, Father, I I come boldly before the throne of grace, Uh, grace to obtain your mercy and your grace to help in the time of need, not only for me, but for all of the hearers of my voice who believe in you and, and believe through your Son. Father, I ask that you who are the giver of every good and perfect gift that you would distribute and severally as you will, according to your spirit, uh, what every man, woman or child listening to this broadcast needs to receive and uh, whatever that has been to your glory, uh, may they receive it uh, and, and after hearing my words, but whatever has been to my own. Uh, May they have thoroughly rejected and um, come to know that I am not the one or none of us are the one that they should look to, but that you are the one that can be found. You said in your word that in those times, uh, they will no longer say the kingdom of God is over there and he's coming here and he's there. He said the kingdom of God is within you. And so, Lord, I ask that you will help our listeners to learn how to ascertain. Uh, how to uh, search for the Holy One who can live within them by understanding uh, that Jesus, uh, I believe, is the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, no man can truly come into the Father to save through him. And uh, um, as individuals grow and as they learn and as they try other ways, uh, may they uh, be reminded of this truth, uh, uh, whether now or uh, before their time ends on this earth. Uh, Father, I thank you for this podcast. Thank you for anyone who's called a virtuous hero, that their virtue reflects you and and that the virtue is nothing but a mirror from the Son, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just pray blessings over Christopher and his uh, ministry and this work. And uh, I give you all the glory for it. And now unto you who's able to do exceeding abundantly of anything I've just asked or thought. um, And we ask that you do these things. And we thank you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Amen.
0: Yeah, President Johnson, as you were praying, I just kept getting the image of this like gigantic ice cream cone. And I was just asking our Lord, like, what is this, Lord? And and I feel like he was saying um, um, uh, just like, so if, for instance, the actual ice cream on top of the cone was like significantly bigger than just like what the cone was. And I feel like the Lord was saying that like, like he is just so, so proud of you. Like the way that like kids just love ice cream cones, like that is like the way that the Lord feels about like the work that you're doing. And I feel like maybe sometimes in your own spirit, you may think like, uh, you know, am I, is this exactly what you're calling me to do, Lord? And I feel like, I just like, feel like the Lord was just like affirming, like he's absolutely just so pleased. Just like the way that kids love ice cream, like that's the way that he feels about the work that you're doing at Warner Pacific University and being able to shepherd people in their spiritual life and just like how important that is to be able to help Christians and grow Christians in such like a formative age within their own lives. And so, yeah, I just feel like the Lord wanted to affirm you through that, which I know sometimes maybe, you know, the the hustle and bustle of the day-to-day grind of being a president all the challenges that can come with the financing, etc. It can be lost upon you to know the work that you're doing, but I just feel like the Lord wanted me to affirm you, President Johnson, of like how important the role that you're doing to help all of these kids to find their calling in lives and help them to be able to grow in the missions and to be able to grow in their own holiness journey. And so, yeah, Lord, I thank you for that affirmation. And uh, I also thank everyone, uh, first of all, you, President Johnson, for being on the podcast today, but then also everyone who's tuned in to uh, just just keep going. <laughs> you know, uh, virtue and holiness is definitely a journey, as President Johnson was talking about today. Just every single day, you get an opportunity to just put on another plate and to put on another plate and to put yes. on a plate, and soon enough, you're bench pressing 350 pounds. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good analogy. I like that analogy. It, Absolutely, it's, it's one day at a time. And yes. so we uh, we thank you for being a part of the Virtuous Heroes podcast where we inspire virtuous leadership and uh, looking to helping everyone to become their best self. And uh, thanks again, President Johnson. It was so great to be able to have you on the podcast today.
1: Amen. Thank you. Thank you, my brother.
0: Hey, Chris here. Hope you enjoyed the episode where we discussed all things going bald. <laughs> Just joking. If you enjoyed the episode and the podcast, will you please subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify? Or you could also share it with a friend. That would be tubular. I hope you have an awesome day.